Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. I am so excited to introduce to you a new friend of mine, Matthew Cook, the founder and creator of Body Based Breakthrough and the Supreme Performance Academy. This guy is doing some really exciting stuff. We really connected recently at a writer's retreat, so I'm excited to introduce him to all of you digital selfers out there to hear his story and what he's doing with his digital self. Welcome, Matthew. (laughs) Thank you so much, Heidi. Really excited to be here. And the audience obviously doesn't know who you are, doesn't know where you're coming from. So tell us a little bit more about (laughs) what is the Body Based Breakthrough and the Supreme Performance Academy and why are you here? Yeah, I love it. Well, first off, you and I met obviously at uh, at a good friend Jim House's uh, book carver retreat this weekend. So, and we just connected because there was just so many synergies in between the work that we're both doing. So, I help lone wolf or isolated leaders who are entrepreneurs and really helping them master their physical vitality and energy and their relationships so that they can ultimately create and contribute more in the world. So that looks like me working with individuals, but I also come into organizations and speak as well. But I just have a lot of fun helping people create a more well-rounded lifestyle to really create sustainable uh, high performance, so they can really maintain their health while they're building their wealth. I think you know that I think we're in a day and age now, whether you're in Europe or America or anywhere else on the globe, where we figured out how to make money. Like we we can we can all drop ship supplements from Amazon or whatever. <laughs> we all know how to make money. We all know how to hustle and grind and all those things. So I think the next wave of entrepreneurship and really the people that are going to thrive in the marketplace are going to be those that are also integrating in a lifestyle of rejuvenation alongside that. And obviously, that's where the digital self comes in too, because I think so much of us spend so little time in what's a brain state called undirected attention or the default mode of the brain, which is really when we're, we're, in, when we're bored. Quite frankly, <laughs> so when, when we're when we're in a, a state where our mind is not actively engaged on a subject matter, which can include scrolling through Instagram, like right, like that in and of itself ends up sapping this this part of our brain that we could be allocating towards higher leverage tasks. So it's actually better for us to just wander around in nature or to be on the beach, or to be in the shower, or to be on the yoga mat, or whatever your, you know, undirected attention task of choice is. But that's what I live for. And, and for me, it's about giving the 30,000 foot view. It's about going into organizations, and specifically those revolving around technology, because that's, as you and I both know, that's where our culture moves from is from the technology that we're putting out into it. So when we're creating technology from mania and, and not sleeping and hustle and grind culture, I think that, that we're really doing culture a disservice. Like we're literally doing the world a disservice by creating from that place because then it's just perpetuated into the culture. And so my work in going into organizations with body-based breakthrough is to help people utilize this brain state 
which is, it's a very simple state. We've all been there, right? It's, it's the flow state, right? Mm-hmm. When we're in alpha and theta brainwaves and just allowing people to access a different part of their brain where their best ideas can truly come flooding out. I love that. And it's interesting as you're talking about it, it reminded me of an old film that was, it was sort of that, you know, classic Italian storytelling. And it was this woman Mm. who made these amazing meals, but when she cried tears into the food that she was creating, or when she was joyful, when she was creating, it came out in the food and spread to all the people that were enjoying and appreciating the food. And, and really we do that in everything that we create. Our emotions, Emotion and our state really is is it transcends through whatever we create, and I think absolutely one of the things that I really appreciated about your work while we were because I got to sample a little bit of it um, <laughs> was that it really you know despite the fact that you're in this creative space that potentially gets to transcend through interpretation into the digital, you're bringing us back to the core of the brain and the body and really just what's happening inside so that we can transform it outside. How did you come to that space with your work? That's a beautiful, you're so, have you done this before? You're really good at this. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, a little bit of my background, I grew up in a household where I was a latchkey kid. So, and this is not like the boohoo, woe is me, but it's actually beautiful because it makes me really uniquely skilled and experienced to be able to teach the work that I do today. So I grew up as a latchkey kid, meaning that I was given the key, I was given the key and that as soon as school was out, I was home alone because both my parents were working to take care of running a household. And so I was home alone for many, many hours as a kid growing up. And along with it, I also had a sister who had borderline personality disorder. And so grew up in a household where it felt like there wasn't a lot of space for Matthew's thoughts, feelings, and opinions. And so I learned from a very young age to cut off all the information that was coming in from my nervous system. So I was sharing this with you yesterday, Heidi, and with the group at the event that we were, uh, that we were at. So we get 12 million stimuli flooding into our nervous system every second, and our brain can only process 40 bits of that. And so as a child, there was so much information coming in, obviously, but I was cutting off so much of it because it felt like there wasn't space for me. And again, this is, you know, little Matthew deciding this. So it doesn't mean it was the truth of it, but it was what I had decided. And so eventually, as I got older, was told that I had ADHD, which I think is just being an entrepreneur, (laughs) Uh, just excitable and having lots of new ideas. And I ended up creating the system because I found that my best thinking actually happened when I was on the yoga mat. Mm. So I ended up actually, in fact, getting my 500 and now I have over 750 whatever hours and training as a yoga teacher and all that fun stuff. But I think that that really was when I first started to come across this, what I, what I thought was like a superpower at first. And I realized, wait, we actually all have this innate ability to tap into all of this information that's just residing inside of our bodies uh, or our unconscious mind is probably another way of saying it that we're just not simply accessing because we are moving so fast in this digital age. So one of my favorite quotes is the Navy SEALs, slow is smooth 
and smooth is fast. And so my work, it, usually the very first thing I do with clients actually is to declutter and simplify. So we take a look at our, our agreements. We take a look at everything that we're agreeing to in our lives, whether that be with our environment, our digital life, and, uh, and our relationships. You know, and even the contracts that we're agreeing to, you know, in, in terms of our work life too. So we do an all-out inventory and really assess and renegotiate some of those agreements that may not be serving us at all anymore. And that becomes a big part of the slowing down process and really getting to the essentials. So interesting that you say that. I know we've discussed this a little bit while we were together, but it's very similar to the process that that I begin with with clients in sort of the spring cleaning mm-hmm. with yes. their their digital world and their their tech ecosystems to really understand. And I guess, and part of that is sort of what are you agreeing to? What are you willing yeah. to to take in? And and I think one of the things that you know, whether it's with friendships or technology or contracts or whatever it is, we tend to say yes to too much, and then we, or, or even say no. You know, we get we get to the point where we say yes to too much, and then we just say no to everything because we feel overwhelmed. But we rarely take the time to revisit once we've said yes or no. And so as a result, we end up with a lot of things that maybe don't match where we're evolving to, whether it's where our business is evolving to, where we are evolving to as individuals. How do you, you do you use that in your work? And if so, how do you incorporate sort of the evolving self? Because we are really, we're dynamic individuals. And so it's, you know, you're never staying in one static state. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I'll say so I'll give you a good example actually. A case study. One of my clients uh, was working for one of, one of the largest marketing companies here on the West Coast. Uh, and he's working 70 hour work weeks uh, implementing for this company and had been for about 10 years and was just absolutely on the brink of burnout. After working together for some time, he ended up to the point where he was working 10 hours a week for this company consulting them, making twice as much money, which is a lot of fun. And so much of it came from, he said, by the end of our work together, he said, the conversation that's always in my head now is, is this in alignment? Is this in alignment? And not from some kind of woo-woo place, but literally like, is my mind, body and actions, like, are they all on the same page, right? And if, if my mind is saying, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But my body is, is chronically crippling. And, you know, I'm in tons of pain and, and my results, I'm not really quite actually delivering because my unconscious body is telling me I shouldn't be doing this, even though I'm like, yeah, this is fine. Right. That's a different, that's, there's a conversation to be had there. So I would say that in body-based breakthrough, the process that I use, it's just really simple neuroscience coupled with simple movement and journaling. And it's a process that I take clients through is, is a process for them to get back in touch with their, I like to call it the body mind relationship, right? Because it's all people like to talk about the body mind connection and like, that's cool. But then that even sounds kind of static to me. Whereas like you said, we're dynamic. And so for me, it's a body mind relationship. Like, does your body want, would your body go on a date with you? Like, that's a conversation I want to be having. Like, would my body actually want to go to work for me today, right? Because I think so many of us have this tendency to try to beat our body into submission to do what I say you're going to do now. And we forget that our body, even though that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but 
there is this inherent connection and yet they are very different, right? We can convince ourselves mentally of things that our body is not actually on board for. And so I think a lot of the work that I do is helping people make that reconnection so that moment to moment to moment they can be having, and it's, it's not even about mindfulness and being Zen and being a Buddhist. That's cool. I, I think all of that's wonderful. And I think it's also about just continuously when you fall off the horse, how quickly can I get back on the horse? <laughs> that's the game. It's like, Oh, yep, that was not in alignment. How can we, how can we renegotiate this? You know, I know we agreed to this thing and I'm just really seeing that I spent the weekend with it and I'm just really realizing it wasn't the right thing. And the quicker that we catch that and, and renegotiate that agreement, the less pain for everyone involved, right? Cause if we start to set up this foundation on a house of cards and we're like, yeah, I can do it. Oh, and we stick with it for a long time. It just ends up creating pain for the person, you know, that we agreed to do whatever with, and it creates pain for us too. A good example, I ended up working for an organization in my early 20s where we were creating the Netflix for optimal living. It was actually a really cool organization. And, and we were building, we were building this where I got to do content with and help to curate content with over 500 of the world thought leaders and everything from neuroscience to productivity, to conscious business, conscious parenting, health, fitness, mindfulness, you name it, everything across the board. So I got the, the probably the greatest education you could get in some of these ideals. And yet I was working the 60, 70 hour work week for uh, in the startup culture. And it was like hustle. And that was like the thing. And, and I get it. I get it. Cause it's like, right. We got a short runway of money and we got to produce something really quick. And and that's all well and good, but I ended up really, it became, it became a detriment to my body. And at about 24, I burnt out. Like I remember just sitting on my couch, not being able to get up and, and looking at my bank account after a fight with my then girlfriend and seeing in my Chase app that I had $4.82 to my name because I was also spending it just as quickly as I was making the money. And it was a startup, so it was pretty tight at the time. And, uh, and I just realized I can't, I cannot do this anymore. The company actually, unfortunately, ended up going down anyways. But it was, it was such a, a wake-up call to do something so radically different in terms of taking care of my energy management first, rather than just the race against the clock time management. So. Well, I think, you know, you bring up a really important point about energy management. And I, I shared with you before that, that I had Lyme disease and it took for me, yeah. it took becoming very ill and couch bound to really recognize that, that if I don't care for my energy management and there we're talking extreme there is sort of, you mm -hmm. wake up in the morning, it's like, am I capable of anything? And like getting off of the couch, it takes, you know, how much energy will it take if I expend my energy to get up? at this moment to go to the bathroom and I still have energy to go get a glass of water. Should I do that now? Cause I won't be able to have the energy to get up and get the glass of water wow. again. Right. So it's, yeah. you're getting down to really, really basic principles. How do we avoid getting, getting that understanding of what's going on with our energy without getting to such an extreme state? Fortunately, not everybody has to experience something as extreme yeah. as that, but a lot of us do get to a place where we experience burnout or, or, mm -hmm. you know, even just getting a bad flu where you're sort of like, wow, you know, I actually have to give in today and I, 
I'm not going to work because yeah. one, I will be toxic for everybody around me, but also I need to heal in order to be able to come back and work again. You know, how yeah. do we avoid that or not necessarily avoid that, but how do we create that understanding in our bodies and our energy without having that extreme experience? Do you have any tips that's on a, that? That's a beautiful question. It, it actually is. There's a scale and I don't think I have it anywhere on my website, but there's really a scale that um, of what I call supreme performance, but it's, it's almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But then when we invert it, it also goes down, which is really scary. And you're right. Burnout is at the very, very bottom, but there are signs and symptoms on the way to that anxiety and overwhelm. Which a lot of, and the sad thing is, is that's becoming the norm to where it's just like, oh yeah, like yeah, we just, that's just, that's just part of being in the marketplace. And it's like, whoa, wait, let's, let's not like let that be the norm. <laughs> let's have a conversation of why that's the norm. So I would say anxiety and overwhelm are a really good key into like, okay, my, you know, taking this from a digital perspective, like my RAM is maxed out. You know, my, my bandwidth is literally maxed out. So I need to have a renegotiation conversation here, taking inventory of all the things going on in my life. So that's, that's number one is anxiety and stuff like that. The other thing is if you start to get a, a step below that, obviously there's people, some of us start to isolate and really we sense it on an unconscious level. We know how bad it's getting. So we isolate from the world because we don't want people to see us in this manner. And again, we may not consciously be thinking that, but we start to isolate ourselves, whether that be in the boardroom, you know, or, or excuse me, in our corner office, we start to isolate, or we just literally stay home and, and avoid other humans. The other thing then is depression. And I think that depression usually comes right before you officially fully burn out. So there are a lot of symptoms on the way. I just say like, when you're starting to get to anxiety, that's when we need to start to have this conversation because it's all well and good to be nervous about the presentation for tomorrow. That's very human. That's very normal. Uh, they say the only difference between anxiety and excitement is the breath. So include some breath in there. But I would say if that's your chronic, like just way of being, there's some systems that need to be put in place emotionally, but also externally, like in your actual day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. Are there yeah. any, you know, coming back to the tech conversation, because it's not all bad, yeah. as we know, are there any tools that you've come across that have been helpful for you in terms of tracking that, whether it's a journaling app or whether it's something that helps you actually track what's going on with your breath? There's a lot of great wearables that work in that space, but yeah. I'm curious as to things that you know, whether it, whether it doesn't have to be a particular device or a different, particular tool, but are there things that you've used or that you recommend for your clients in terms of ways for them to track things that maybe are unconscious for them so that they can get better signals of what's happening without having to stop and go, how many breaths am I taking type thing? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. Well, and I think because you work in this space, Heidi, you understand the addictive nature uh, with the dopamine hits that we're constantly getting from social apps and things like that. So with my clients, I don't know if you are, I'm an intermittent faster when it comes to eating. And so I don't really start eating until about one, sometimes 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And I have a short window of eating. And I like to do the same thing with technology for myself and for my clients. So a lot of times I will typically suggest, you know, because as soon as you get started, it's really hard to jump off it. So I like to just suggest doing it in chunks. So, and again, 
everyone's going to find something that's going to work best for their blueprint. But that's typically what I, if I was just on a, you know, on a podcast, <laughs> that's what I would sort of blanket say is a really great way to go about it is especially around the mornings, like keep your phone. And I'm sure you've said this a thousand times on your podcast, but keep the phone out of the bedroom. And that that's not the very first thing that you do when you wake up, whether it is a meditation practice or you go out for a run or you do a journaling brain dump. But I always suggest that the first part of the day be decluttering. Uh, and what I mean by that is decluttering your body. And that can be through through sweating, that can be through exercise, or that can just even be through some simple movement, but just to move the cobwebs and, and then to also declutter your mind. So when we take in new technology first thing in the morning, we're adding we're putting things on top of where we are, and especially with email, God forbid, like that's just adding even more to what you're what you're still having residue from yesterday with. So I like to look at it as let's take the first part of the day as a declutter time, then value up, you know, get your, get your values of like what you really want to be producing and feeling and experiencing in that day, get support. So external support. So whether that's accountability through a coach or through a friend or a mentor, and then start taking action. So then dive in, you know, do the tasks when it comes to technology but that's that's my take on it. It's it's I have a difficult time, and I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I, I have a difficult time using technology and then sort of task switching to not use it and then to use it and to not use it. It's for me, it's easier to actually do in chunks yeah. uh, of time and then bouncing out and doing other things. I I would say absolutely. I think you know one of the things that one of my favorite functions on my phone is airplane mode. Yes. And, oh, that's a good one. And, Airplane. Uh, and do not disturb. And, and do not disturb. <laughs> Although things seem to still come through with the do not disturb. Mm. Um, they may not make noise, but they still flash. And unfortunately, unless your phone mm. is flipped over, you're still your unconscious behavior is really, oh, something, something just popped up. Yeah. If you know you're not disciplined about it. And you do have a tendency, whether it's, you know, ADHD or whether it's just a curious person, I think using airplane mode is really great. I actually like to start my morning with the morning meditation on the Calm app. So I actually do use my phone first thing in the morning, but it's for meditation. And then I do a quick scan to make sure there's no acute emails because I'm working Mm. with a lot of people in different time zones. So if I don't check things first thing in the morning and I get something from my client in France and I don't, then I don't check again until noon, it's too late for me to respond for that day. So I do a quick scan through just to make sure there's nothing acute. And then I put it into airplane mode so that I can get sort of the basic things done that I need to get done without sort of, oh, I got a Facebook notification. Yeah. Oh, a new yeah. mail came through. Or, oh, look, there's a deal on something going on that I've been trying to track. You know, so yeah. there's there's always that tendency. But then it becomes, if I need to use my phone for something, it becomes a conscious, I need to take my yes. phone and turn it out of airplane mode to get that function done. If it's just checking my calendar, I don't actually even need to take it out of airplane mode I can mm-hmm. see what's going on there. So it keeps me from getting that little bit of additional distraction. So it's a very simple thing that I think all phones have. So you don't even have yeah. to have a special phone for that. And I think we forget to do that sometimes. And you know, I think I mentioned to you, one of my favorite things about doing podcasts is the fact that you get one-on-one conversations with people for an entire 
hour or you know a good chunk of time where yeah. you're both in airplane mode all of yes. your external distractions are turned off you need to be in a quiet space so you really get that quality presence interaction and even though we're communicating through a zoom connection which is a wonderful gift with technology in itself. We can see each other, we can laugh, we can see each other's facial expressions and see the distracting dog running by in the background or whatever it is so that we have that human connection, but we don't have the distractions going on. And as a result, you end up having these really great quality interactions. So I try to replicate that when I reconnect with friends for a lunch or, you know, sit down to dinner, put it in airplane mode so that... That interaction, unless I'm, you know, there's something that I'm waiting for that's acute or, you know, there's a particular situation that I need to have a hands-on for it, which of course, there's always exceptions. But for the most part, most things can wait an hour. That one hour that you get of presence with your interactions is so powerful and we don't do enough of that. And and I think that's where a lot of the magic and creativity happens. That's where... You also have more ability to, at least for me anyway, I have more ability to get a sense of what's going on to my own reactions to the interaction as well as to whether I feel them viscerally or whether it's just, you know, feel laughter coming up. I'm not responding to other things that are happening. I'm responding just to that interaction. And, I love that. And I think... For me, that's what I do. And that's, you know, it's still using technology, but it's using the tools within the technology to enable presence, if that makes sense. I love that. I love that. The other thing that I do, you just, you're sparking so many thoughts for me too. One of my favorite things to do, and this is, this is like the ninja level stuff, which I, I imagine a lot of people, I found this very scary at first, but Amanda and I, my wife, my beautiful, gorgeous wife, we've we've started to just not even bring our phones to dinner when we have like date nights, especially it's like, cause it's just going to be, a, so like I'm the anal person that's just like, but if we get in a car crash, like we're going to like, what, like, you know, I take it to this. Empty. So I have, I put my phone immediately in the glove glove box. So it's not even, cause I, I'm sure, you know, the stat I don't, and if not, it's all, but it's like, it's like, I think if you, if, if a phone is within sight, we're 70% more likely to check it or something. So if it's just not even in sight, there's just so little. And it also, like you said, it has you be more conscious of your propensity to want to check the phone. It's like, ah, this is, uh, oh, I feel like I would normally go to my phone right now. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, and we going back to the very beginning of the conversation where we talked about undirected attention and it allows you to actually have moments of boredom. And what's interesting is that boredom is actually, like I said, boredom, when we're in the default mode of the brain, is actually when we do our most autobiographical thinking or self-referential thinking is what it's called. So basically, it's like Tetris. We're all kind of putting all the pieces together of, of our lives. We're like literally pulling all of these disparate ideas together and making, making sense of our world. And so when we don't do that, obviously, as we can imagine, that's pretty detrimental, but when we're bored, we have the opportunity to do that on this level that we don't we don't otherwise. And so it's funny because uh, there's actually this incredible book, and her name is escaping me. It's called Bored and Brilliant. This woman wrote a book, and she has I think she has a podcast called Notes to Self. And now I'm hitting myself for not knowing her her name, but she she says that she has a seven day challenge to to help you be 
bored, uh, essentially. But she says it's really uncomfortable. And it is. I don't know if anyone thinks about like a today to be bored. We're like, there's this sense that's like, I should be productive right now. Like, like I'm wasting time or I'm going to get behind or something. There's this, there's this weird sense that like we're doing ourselves and everyone around us a disservice if we're bored for a couple moments. Uh, And I think we just need to continue to come back to the idea that it's actually a really good thing. There is a psychological theory and that's why we feel that way. It's called backup avoidance theory. And so as humans, we're terrified because that's our natural propensities to evolve, to move forward, to to evolve humanity. And so we're terrified to go backwards or what seems like going backwards. So sometimes when we're in moments of boredom, we do, we have this, we have to notice, slow down enough to notice within ourselves that, that anxiety that may come up. And it's like, hey, this is it's okay. It's a good thing. And that's why I teach body-based breakthroughs. So it's a system for people to come into the state of awareness where they, they know that they're doing something productive, quote unquote, because I'm telling them here's a system and it's going to help you have better thinking. So they're like, okay, and they can set that aside. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am so excited for your book to come out. And I know this podcast is, is actually coming out quite soon. So your book won't be out yet, but we will make sure that you digital selfers out there that are listening, we will let you know when it goes and when it becomes available on Amazon. But stay tuned because there's going to be all kinds of great stuff coming from Matthew Cook in the future. I am sure mm. of that. And I just want to thank you so much for joining us today and make sure that those of you out there that are listening can find Matthew. His website has more information and it's Matthew with two T's, middle initial T, and there's an E on the end of Cook. So MatthewTCook.com. And we'll also make sure that's in the show notes. So if you're driving, please don't try to write it down. And (laughs) (laughs) so I know I say that every time, but I do not want to be the reason that somebody gets in a car accident. And, uh, you know, we love podcasts and we also, if you're out on a hike, just enjoy the moment, take in the air and you can read it later. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Matthew, for joining us. This has been such a treat having you today. And I so appreciate it. Yeah, you're so welcome. And for those of you out there that are curious about podcasts, I know I've recently been talking a lot about sort of the joy of doing podcasts and having those presence moments. I'm going to be present speaking at my podcast mentors event, Your Authority Blueprint Live in Santa Cruz, the first week in April, coming up very, very soon. I know there are still some slots and Michael has been very generous to offer us a very heavy discount on those. So if you are interested, please reach out to us, check it out in the show notes. There'll be information on how you can get involved and there will be other events if you can't make it to this one. But if you're curious at all about the podcast, experience. He's a wonderful mentor and he's got loads of things to learn from. You can always just go to his website. I think he has online courses as well and ways to connect to him there if you can't make it to the live event. But if you can make it to the live event, we get to meet face to face. So I would love to see you there. So thank you again, Matthew, for joining us today. It's been such an honor to share your wisdom with my audience. And thank you, Digital Selfers, for taking the time to join us today. It's been an honor and pleasure to share this last half hour with you. And uh, I look forward to next time. If you enjoyed today's show, please don't forget to sign up and uh, subscribe and share it with your friends so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. Until next time, bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. 
Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.